Today's reading is taken from John chapter 1, beginning at verse 19. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, Then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Finally, they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany, on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much, Camilla. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We know that you're in our midst and we want to know you, that we might make you known to others. Touch us with your spirit and empower us this morning, we ask, in your name. Amen. There was um, a well-known American, or there is a well-known American firm, actually. It uh, was founded in 1896. It had a really snappy strap line. In 1906, the temperance era, and it said, the great national temperance beverage. I mean, just want, you would just want to go and buy some, don't you? I mean, it's fantastic. I have to say, since then, it's had a few more slightly more accessible strap lines, including Taste the Feeling, The Real Thing, you're beginning to get there, aren't you? Uh, and of course, Coke is it. That was Coca Cola. Everything seems to need a strap line. Apple, uh, actually, Apple have moved away from theirs. It used to be Think Different. Uh, but now they usually only use their strap line on things like the iPhone or iPad. Nike, just do it. I, I, again, fantastic. A- and they can even come into our everyday language. Ron Seal, it does what it says on the tin. We all know that, don't we? It is just part of us. A strap line then is to encompass everything that the organisation stands for. And a lot of churches have a strapline on their website normally. 
Uh, and the most common of those has already been used by Debbie. Knowing Jesus and making him known. Now, let's turn to the Bible. John 1. The Gospel of John. It's the last uh, of the Gospels. There are four, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. It's not just the last in the order. It was actually the last one to be written. Uh, And as I've said, there are four Gospels. That doesn't mean that we have four different accounts. We have one Gospel written by four different people, all with different uh, things that they're trying to put across. Uh, And John's focus is to make Jesus known. It focuses primarily on what Jesus did in Jerusalem. It concentrates on who Jesus is for a particular reason. And we find that in chapter 20, verse 31, where it says, I've written these things that you might believe. So John wants us to believe in the person of Jesus Christ. This is a book about the mission and purpose of Jesus Christ, continually focusing on Jesus So it's no surprise then, in John chapter 1, right at the beginning, he starts with that famous prologue that we read uh, at Christmas. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh. Right at the beginning, we're saying, this is God. This is who he is. He created the world, and that creator is Jesus Christ. Right at the beginning of his book. And then he moves seamlessly into the passage that we've got this morning, uh, which is about John the Baptist, verse 19. And I think this is fantastic. Here is John uh, in the River Jordan, and uh, a deputation come out of Jerusalem, sent, we we are told, by the Jews of Jerusalem, and these Jews send priests and Levites. Now, they're the people... Uh, who are involved in the worship of God. The priests were also, uh, they were controllers of the religious life, but they were also the political leaders of the time. The Levites in particular worked on the holiness, how to keep holy, uh, and they were also used in uh, the musical worship in the temple. So who are these Jews of Jerusalem? The Jews of Jerusalem is probably the Sanhedrin. That's 70 people who used to sit in a a semicircle like a a court. And um, uh, they were responsible for the uh, the, the ruling council of the city. And each city probably had its own Sanhedrin. So there, we have the political and the religious leaders coming to John and saying... Who are you? Who are you? They obviously asked him, are you the Messiah? Because quite near the, well, the, the first thing that John, John says is that, that no, I am, I'm not the Christ. I'm not the Messiah. So they must have asked that question. They were, of course, expecting the Messiah. So for something like this to be happening they knew that there was some sort of tingle in the air. There was some expectation. So then they say, well, are you Elijah? Why did they do that? 
Why suddenly leap to Elijah? Well, in the last book of the Old Testament, which is Malachi, chapter 4, verse 5, it says that before the Christ comes, Elijah will come and announce him. So they say, are you Elijah? And he says, no, I'm not. So then they say, well, are you the prophet then? And it's not the prophet, it's the prophet. And that comes from Deuteronomy, again in the Old Testament. You can see how these religious leaders, they knew their stuff. They knew what was this tingle in the back of their mind. They were trying to put these things together. And in Deuteronomy 18, 15 to 18, it says that a prophet will be raised up and everyone will be judged on whether they hear and respond to his words. So, is John the Baptist the prophet? And he says, no, I'm not. Oh, come on. Who are you then? How are we going to know you? What's your strapline? What are you standing for? And bearing in mind who's asking the question, John then turns this round brilliantly. He said, these religious people are asking me quotes from scripture. I've got one for you now. Isaiah 40, verse 3. I am the voice of one calling in the desert, make straight the way for the Lord. It's not about me. This is not about me. You're coming here saying, who are you? This isn't about me. It's about him. Somebody else. The Messiah. This gives the religious envoy a completely different problem. Because, of course, John is simply saying, I'm a signpost. I'm pointing the way to someone else. But there he is in the River Jordan baptising people. Now, baptism was to take Gentiles into Judaism, the Jewish faith. But he was baptising Jews, so that something was wrong. Uh, And, of course, the people that could baptise the Jews were the Messiah or Elijah. And he's just said he's neither of those, so what's going on? This is giving me a problem. So John turns around and says in verse uh, 26, I think it is, it is, I baptise with water. In other words, I'm just making you clean. I'm not making you whole, I'm making you clean. I'm baptising on the outside only. I am just a signpost. And then John, uh, in the other part of verse 26, makes this fantastic statement that we're going to look at a bit more closely. Among you stands one you do not know. Among you stands one you do not know. I stand amongst you as a prophet, therefore you're giving me due honour and respect. But even with the honour that you're giving me, I am not worthy to untie the sandals, the thongs of the shoes of the person that's coming. And I know that person. I know him and you can't see him. I love that phrase. He is the one who comes after, uh, uh, among you. It's almost as though the presence of Christ was there. He might have been in the crowd and they didn't even see him. They didn't know him. I think that's fantastic. John is speaking to the people who hold the keys to the spiritual well-being of the people and yet they're spiritually blind. 
John's saying, I know him. I recognise him. I honour him. He's shouting to them. Are they listening? Are we listening? John recognised God. He lived for him in a bizarre way. But he lived for him because he was God. He stood in the Jordan because he knew Jesus. He baptised people because he knew Jesus. He spoke to them boldly because he knew Jesus. He challenged them because he knew Jesus. And ultimately he was beheaded for Jesus because he knew him. What does that say to us? Because this strapline has two sides, as we've already said. It's knowing Jesus and then making him known. Knowing Jesus. Do we really understand that Jesus is an historical person? No one is doubting that this person, Jesus, existed. Not even the atheists doubt that he existed. They just doubt what he said. And here we have someone who was prepared to die because they knew and met the person of Jesus Christ. Do we really know that? Do we feel that? Do we know it in our head? Do we feel it in our heart? Do we feel it in our gut? Do we stand for him day by day? Are we prepared to shout for him? Are we prepared to die for him? Many have. And that's where a lot of our recent sermons have been concentrating about not only spending time here in church thinking about God, thinking about how we should live for him, but as Charlotte's already explained to us, how do we take that into our week? How do we try and concentrate on the word of God, on the presence of God with us day by day? It's difficult, isn't it? All sorts of things crowd in on our day. And we plough on regardless, leaving God behind. But actually what we just need to remember is to ask. Thank you for the plug on that. We need to ask. Ask, seek and knock. Because he is with us all the time. Now we're sitting here this morning and I'm standing in the church of St. John the Baptist. Is anything resonating now? (laughs) What does that actually mean to us? What sort of legacy do we have? What do people see in us? What we say, what we do. Do we have that message of life and hope during the week? Do we wear our face with a smile and contentment? Or are we frowning? Are we uncertain of the future because we've ploughed on ahead of our God? Now don't get me wrong, these are hard issues. And it's hard to know God all the time in the way that we would like to. That close feeling, that emotion. But actually what the Bible is saying to us is that we can know We can understand, and when we can understand, then we can feel in our heart. And all the time, our gut is telling us, I know this is right. I know this is right. So, another question that Charlotte kindly asked us this morning, why are we here? 
Why are we in church this morning? What is it about church that means that we want to be here? Because a lot of the time we come, and quite rightly, to learn about God, to be taught, to share with each other, to sing, to pray. That's fantastic. And so it should be. That's what the Bible recommends. But as I was thinking in the week, we can't, we can't ring-fence that. It's not just for us. This is not somewhere to come just so that we can feel comfortable. And this is where it gets quite hard. Because the knowing Jesus is the, is the really exciting, personally challenging and rewarding part. But the other part of the strap line is making him known. And when we come here to our service, it should be somewhere where we want other people to come. And when other people come in, it disturbs the equilibrium, doesn't it? Because they don't quite understand. How foolish of them. They don't quite fit. How awkward that is. They ask questions, ghastly questions. But why are we here? One of the oldest, and it's a very flippant statement, but the church is one of the very few, if not the only organisation that exists for the people that don't belong to it. But that's true. But it goes far beyond that. Far beyond that. Because we are here to make Jesus Christ known. We have found something which is incredibly precious and exciting. When we sing, there is a warmth in our spirit because God is speaking to us. God is speaking to us. And we love that. So what do we do? If we want a relationship with someone, we need to spend time with them. And when we have that excitement, we tell other people about it. I was um, meeting someone at... I've got to be very careful about what I say about work now because there's someone from work in the congregation. So I, I, I will try and restrict what I say. Uh, but I was talking to, to someone during the week at, at work uh, and I casually, we were chatting over making coffee or something and I, and I said, so where do you come from? I don't know. They said, oh, Twickenham. So I said, oh, Twickenham. So do you come and see Harlequins? I love Harlequins because I love rugby. So I started talking about it. I didn't say Twickenham. Do you go to St Mary's Twickenham? Or do you go to St John's down there? Well, I could have done. Not that I know there's a St Mary's. I think there is a St Mary's in Twickenham, but I'm not sure about the rest. But what gives me the buzz? And interestingly, I do talk about God at work. I can't avoid it now because I told you about my secret Santa, didn't I? Which says, there's a big sign now on the door. Actually, it's fallen off, but it's on my desk. It now says, off-duty vicar, only disturb if all hell breaks loose. (laughs) (laughs) But what do we want to shout about? And I like that. And then you know that when you sit at my table with me and we have a meeting... Marion has given me this mug which says Rev Dave. Fantastic. There is no getting away from it. 
There is no getting away from it because God is with me all the time. What do I, what, I want people to come to St. John's Wanish. This is a fantastic place to be. This is a fantastic group of people. You are lovely. And what I want to do, let me use Cafe Church as an illustration. Because coming into a church building is sometimes quite difficult. But it shouldn't be difficult because you are lovely people. But Cafe Church meets in an old school. It happens to be our church hall, but it used to be a school. And it's sort of seen as the village hall. We serve tea, sandwiches, cake. We sit round in circles. We have a chat with each other. You can ask whatever question you want to ask. We'll have poems on a screen. We'll sing probably more than one song in a row. Maybe three, four, five, six, seven. Who knows? The lighting will be a little bit down on normal. We participate. You want to stand, you stand. You want to sit, sit. Lie on the floor, fantastic. You want to dance, go for it. Is that a church? doesn't sound like a church. But the church is where Jesus Christ is being made known. And what we aim to do in Cafe Church is make it accessible for every single person in Wanish community. That they can come in and they don't need to know anything. They don't need to know any rules, any language. They just want to meet Jesus Christ. And that is what I want them to find. As a congregation, we need to make sure what we're doing and what we're saying is focused on God. He is the reason for our faith. So if we know Jesus, do we want our friends, our relations, even our mother and father to know Christ? Can we invite our friends and neighbours to come along and join us? That could be to join us for coffee. Uh, Debbie and I had a a privilege of talking to Sarah Rowden in the week. uh, And she was telling us of a a friend that she'd met over coffee. And uh, the conversation turned to Christ. Uh, And this woman then uh, came to this church uh, for the crib service. uh, And just felt that for her God was saying... I know you've been away for 18 months, but welcome back. Welcome home. It's good to have you. Isn't, you know, it's lovely. When people feel welcomed into the community of Christ. And each of us need to be welcoming, accepting, to extend that hand of friendship. In whatever service, we have a a complete range here, don't we? so that people can feel comfortable where they need to be because God is here. And if you want a little plug, again, for Cafe Church, 7th of February is the next one we're having. Uh, It it should be next weekend, but as you know, that's the the church weekend away. So the 7th of February is our next one. We're going to have Rob Bell talking to us about what is a relationship with God. And it's going to go into uh, an image of uh, an orchestra 
And we are then going to sing. And we're going to sing our hearts out in praise, in relationship to God. So you are all welcome. And whoever you want to come will be welcome. What are we going to do this week to serve our God? Who are we going to talk to? Who are we going to tell? How are we going to respond when God puts that person in front of us? And we have to take the courage in our hands to say, yes, I am a Christian. Yes, I do know God. I meet with him every day. He is with me now. Do you want to know him? I don't know how it will go, but something, you know. If Jesus loves us, he loves them. And it would be great if next weekend, uh, on the weekend away, we could even have two or three people uh, willing to share how God has met with them or used them during the week. Because if we know Jesus, it should be in our hearts to make him known. Let's pray. Father, we do indeed thank you. We thank you that we can know you in our head. We can know you in our heart. We can know you in our very being, step by step. And so as we thank you, we want to ask that you would help us make you known to others. That we would share that life and love that you've given us. That we would draw others to you, others to this community. That they equally might share in all the excitement and joy that you've given us. Let us not keep it for ourselves, but share it. Share it as wide and as far as possible that others might come to know your loving grace and salvation itself. So, Father, we thank you for this morning and ask that you would again meet us in our worship and prayer as we continue our service. Amen.